Well, it's just wonderful, isn't it? If I could sing like these folks singing, like Nita and Bethany and Nathaniel and Pascal, I'd be so proud and cocky. God have to do something with me. I tell you, they just, oh, they, they really can sing for the Lord. What a blessing. And it ministers to us, doesn't it? We're thankful for it. Well, after you get to about Sunday night, you have to try to find out what you haven't said about Dr. Siskin. I mean, there's, there's just so much that we could say and say over and over again because everything we say, it just doesn't change. We had the opportunity to spend some time with him this afternoon with my wife and me and the missionaries and just a wonderful time just laughing and thinking about where we've been and where God has allowed us. Every once in a while, you get in the middle of a fellowship time or conversation with Christian people and you have to think to yourself, how in the world would God get all of us from all of our different backgrounds in the same room at the same time unless we're involved in the work of God? It's just the providence of God. And I'm so thankful for his impact on our life and ministry. We were talking today about him and marriage. And, and I was speaking to him just a few moments ago about his dear wife, Mrs. Virginia Sisk. And the joy that these folks were married some 65 years. And he said they celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary in June. And then one month later, she went home to be with the Lord. Uh, Dr. Sisk was just talking often about how much she meant to him. And for those of us who have been in Crossroads any length of time, no, she was not only a great wife to him, a great mother, she was a great Christian. And such an inspiration to watch her stand beside him and them labor together. In the office today, he was telling us about them meeting each other. And he said, you know, people talk about there's no such thing as love at first sight. He said, but oh, yes, there is. Can you imagine what a 17, 18-year-old Don Sisk may have looked like? So, tell me what you think he might have looked like. Let's, let's see if we can tell. Well, I tell you what, he sure has gotten a lot lighter. <laughs> Dr. Sis, you didn't tell us you were born black? <laughs> it's loading. I guess it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Well, let's welcome him to the pulpit. And sometime when he gets up here, before he gets into his text, we're going to see what the young Don Sis looked like. Let's welcome the more seasoned Dr. Don Sis back to the pulpit one more time here at our... Missions Conference across the Baptist Church. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Thank you so much for being here tonight and uh, for all that you've done for me this week and all of the many years that I've been coming here uh, with you, dear people. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to speak to you tonight on the subject of uh, a wake-up call. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. First Peter chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 7, 
but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent love among yourself, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the abilities which God giveth. And here's the reason for all those things, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Dear Lord, once again tonight, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts through your precious, infallible, and errant, inspired word, the Bible. And I pray, dear God, that you'll show each of us some things that maybe we need to be doing, even as you give us abilities and strength to do it. Thank you for the opportunities we've had this week. Uh, thank you for the faithfulness of these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, if, if you've read my biography, and I think many of you have, okay, but uh, I, I told Brother how I met my wife. I was uh, practicing basketball, and uh, I, I looked up and in the doorway of the gymnasium, there were two girls. Uh, one of them was my cousin, Connie Love. And I had never seen this other girl before. But I took one look at her and I thought, wow, where has she been all of my long life of 16 years? Amen. <laughs> and, I, and I said, uh, uh, that afternoon, I, I said to Connie, I said, Connie, uh, who was that girl that was standing with you in the door of the gym today? And she said, well, her name is Virginia Carlton. And I said, uh, I think I will try to get to know her. And uh, we had a little jot them down store in, near the school, and they sold hamburgers and hot dogs and Rather than eating cafeteria food, we'd take a quarter and uh, go over there. We could buy a hamburger and a Coca-Cola and some potato chips and have a nickel left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I, I was over there one day for lunchtime, and uh, I saw her sitting by herself, and I thought, this is a wonderful chance. Uh, so I, I walked over there, and I said, I'm Don Sisk. And she said, oh, I know who you are. Okay. And uh, I said, and you're Virginia Carlton, right? And I said, would you mind me sitting here and eating with you? And she said, yes. And that started 65 years of marriage. Amen. 
Anyway, uh, as, as you know, she was here every year with me. I don't, I don't know if she ever missed a year when I came, maybe when she had surgery or something like that. But uh, she, she loved Crossroads Baptist Church. And she loved to come here. Uh, I, I think one of the big reasons was that uh, women's prayer meeting or that uh, meal they have. Man, they come loaded, you know, after that. <laughs> but uh, she loved that, and she loved the, uh, she loved uh, Mrs. Baldwin, and they, they were wonderful, wonderful friends. And uh, thank you all for being so good to her for so many years. And uh, please continue to pray for me. Um, I've, I've had a few close experiences since that. Uh, but I've never taken any of them serious, amen. Everybody's tried to get me married, and I don't need it. <laughs> and I, I've often thought, and, and hey, by the way, and if a, if a wife or husband has passed on and, and you remarry, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I had two thoughts, you know. Number one, uh, if I would marry some woman, it wouldn't be fair to her because I'd always be comparing her to Virginia and she wouldn't compare. But the big reason was she could put up with me and I'm not sure anybody else could, amen. <laughs> but uh, th thank you for sharing th those pictures. I, I just wanted to show you that I was young one time, okay? Uh, so, so please take them down so they can quit looking at that, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, let me mention that uh, the scripture I've read tonight, and look at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Uh, have you ever been in the midst of a wonderful dream, and then you were awakened by the alarm clock or something else? Okay. And uh, you, you try to go back to sleep and finish that dream, but dreams never finish like that. Uh, or maybe you are enjoying a great time in your life, and all of a sudden something happens that changes everything. And by the way, uh, that happened to me a few months ago as I was reading the Word of God, just reading in my devotions. And I read verse 7. Look at it very carefully. But the end of all things is at hand. In other words, wake up. Wake up. The end of all things is at hand. Now, I'm positive that uh, Peter had at least two things in mind when he said that. Uh, number one, they were having a hard time. They were scattered. And uh, so Peter is saying, hey, uh, cheer up. The end of all things is at hand. And I'm positive that he was thinking Jesus may come at any moment. Now, we do not know when he's going to come. A lot of people have told us they did, but they were all wrong. And uh, even his early disciples saying, are, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? And he said, no, 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 don't worry about that. Uh, he said, uh, Let, let's not have a prophecy conference. Uh, let's have a missionary conference, amen. 
So he said, don't worry about that. That's in the hands of God and so forth. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't worry, don't be overly concerned about when he's going to come. But the end of all things is at hand. Now, I've met several people recently, particularly during the pandemic, and uh, the way that everything is, is happening in our world, and uh, I, I meet some people and they say, well, the, the Lord has to come real soon. Well, he has a time, and uh, the pandemic is not going to hurry him, okay? And by the way, one year with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. And when people look and say, well, it's been a long time since he promised he was coming. A time is nothing to God. He is infinite, okay? So it might not be immediate, but it is imminent. In other words, he may not come real soon, but he may come at this very moment. And I don't believe anything has to happen before he comes again. So we should be ready. The end of all things is at hand. Uh, David made that statement to uh, Jonathan when Saul was trying to kill David. And, and, and David made this statement, uh, there is but a step between me and death. And by the way, every one of us here tonight could make that same statement. Uh, we do not know. Uh, in other words, Jesus may come at any time, but I may die at any time. You say, well, that's not a very pleasant thought. Uh, well, it is if you're born again, you know you're saved and going to heaven. Because uh, you don't really die, you just change addresses. Your address was earth, and now it's going to be heaven when we die. But the b bottom line is that we may die at any moment. It is appointed, and the man wants to die, and after death judgment. We don't know when, but we know that we are going to die. Now, since we may die at any moment, since Jesus may come at any moment, uh, what should we be doing? Look what he said. Be ye therefore sober. In other words, be serious. Be serious. Be ye therefore sober and watch and pray. Watch and pray. Get ready. You must be serious. Uh, let, let me mention just two or three things. Be serious about your salvation. Uh, it, it does us well every once in a while to check up. Are, are, are you sure? Are, are, am I sure that I'm saved and going to heaven? Have I been born again? Have I truly trusted Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only for my salvation? Be serious about salvation. If you happen to be here tonight or you happen to be listening anywhere and you're not sure you're saved and going to heaven, could I exhort you? Be serious about your salvation. Hey, by the way, be serious about your service to God. Uh, every one of us has something to do. 
there are no insignificant Christians. Uh, everybody is somebody in the body of Christ. And every one of us has a job. And could I particularly emphasize tonight, be careful, be serious about your family. Hey, you only have your children for a few years, and you better use those few years to do the very best you can to guide them in the right way. Be serious. And then notice again, he, sa he said, and above all things, and by the way, when the Bible says that, we ought to put a priority on it, okay? Uh, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Think about it. Fervent charity among yourselves. Why? For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And by the way, the Bible tells us that if we have everything else in the world, if we have all kind of faith that we could move mountains, if we have the tongues of angels and could uh, un un unravel all of the prophecies in the Bible and so forth, if we had all of those things and did not have love, we would have absolutely nothing. So we must practice fervent love to God. Do you ever just step, stop and tell God, I love you? And now, you might be like the man that went to the marriage counselor, and the marriage counselor said, well, you know, pretty often you ought to tell your wife you love her. And he said, I told her I loved her when we got married. If I ever change my mind, I'll tell her. <laughs> and by the way, if that's you, you're in bad shape, amen? <laughs> Uh, you better tell your wife you love her occasion. And by the way, you better tell God you love him. We ought to have fervent love to God. Uh, we ought to have fervent love to our families. Uh, I only had two children, so I'm, I'm not really uh, scriptural. Because the Bible says multiply and replenish the earth. And we didn't do that. We just replaced ourselves, okay? Uh, but I've got several friends that have helped me keep the average up, okay? <laughs> I met a man yesterday that had 11 children. I, I told him the story that J.B. Godfrey told one time in a meeting. He said, you know the difference between a man that has 11 children and a millionaire? He said, the millionaire always wants more. And after the service, the man that had the 11 children came up and said, we've got 11 children, Brother Godfrey. We want another one. Amen. And I think they had another one, okay? But think, think about your family. Uh, love, love. And, and a family without love is really no family at all. So uh, con consider your mate. And I know you look at him sometimes and he doesn't look like much. Okay. But, uh, hey, he chose you, okay, so don't be too bad. Amen. <laughs> so, but, but uh, love and, and, and by the way, 
Uh, love is good to have, but, but it needs to be expressed. I mean, I, I don't think I ever ended a conversation on the phone with Virginia, but what she didn't say, I love you. And I'd just say, I love you. By, by the, that, nothing wrong with that. Uh, have fervent love. Hey, the end of all things is at hand. One day you'll say, I love you, and it'll be the last time you ever get to say that. So, so love your mate. Uh, love your children. I mean, uh, children need to be loved. And they need to know that you love them. By the way, you ought to love them the way God loved you. And that is an unconditional love. I've, I've thought so many times about this statement, and you've heard it. Nothing I could do could make God love me anymore. And nothing I could do could make me, him love me any less. It is an unconditional love. And you think about it. You have an unconditional love towards your wife. You have an unconditional love towards your husband. You have an unconditional love toward your children. And by the way, regardless of what happens to them, uh, keep loving them. Don't ever give up on them. And sometimes we may not agree with what they do and so forth. But even during that time, we need to show them that, that we love them. And then, by the way, we are to love a lost and dying world. In, in the 15th chapter of Luke, you have those three great stories. But before the three great stories, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, the publicans and sinners heard him gladly. And, and the Pharisees, and they were always trying to find something wrong with Jesus. And uh, they, they think, okay, uh, we're going to make a real derogatory remark about him. This man eateth with and receiveth sinners. Oh, that's a bad thing? No, thank God he eats with and receives sinners, okay? If he didn't receive sinners, he wouldn't receive any of us. And he told three stories about a lost sheep and a, and a lost coin and a lost son. And all of them, it, it, it emphasized the love of the owner. The shepherd loved that sheep. Uh, the woman loved that coin. And that man loved his prodigal son. And by the way, it was an unconditional love. And we ought to love lost people. Now, we ought to hate sin. But I'm convinced by just listening to the testimony of a lot of people, or not the testimony, but the thinking of a lot of people, that they have transferred their hatred for sin to the sinner. Okay, we love Sinners. And we hate sin. But we ought to love them. I'll never forget a trial in San Francisco, California that I went to and I wished I had not gone to it. About half of the audience that day were Baptist preachers. About half of them were homosexuals. And, and I remember one of them turning around and looking at me and said, uh, you hate me. 
And I, and I looked at him, and I was as sincere as I could be. And I said, I've never met you before today. I, I don't know you. I, I don't hate you. And I said as tenderly as I could, I love you. I love you. And by the way, I didn't love his sin, but I loved him. So we were to have a love for lost soul. And then think with me again. Look, look at the, uh, the, the, the next verse. And it, it says in, in verse uh, 10, And every man that hath received the gift, underline that in your Bible if you have your Bible open, every man that has received the gift. And, and what Peter is emphasizing here and what the Bible teaches us, that every born-again child of God, when he gets saved, you receive at least one spiritual gift. Now, I know there are a lot of people that think, well, I don't have any spiritual gift. In fact, I've, I've had people say to me, Brother says, I can't do nothing. And every time I hear that, I say, well, that's wrong for two reasons. Now, number one, it's wrong grammatically. Okay, a double, uh, I can't do nothing is a double negative. That's wrong grammatically, okay? Then number two, it just ain't so, amen? <laughs> it, it, I mean, uh, you might not can do some things you'd like to do, but you might not, none of us can do everything. But thank God every one of us has a spiritual gift. And, uh, and by the way, a, a spiritual gift is not a trophy that you brag about. Uh, it is not a toy that you play with. It is a tool that is to be used for the edification of the body of Christ. In other words, whatever spiritual gift you have, you are to be using that gift to help the other members of the church. And, and there are no unimportant parts of the body. So we must use our spiritual gifts to help one another. And then look at 10b. In 10b, it says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, that's what we are. We're servants, we're stewards. And the Bible simply says, it is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Stewardship. Sometimes we just think of money as stewardship. But we are to be good stewards of our time. We are to be good stewards of our opportunities that God puts before us. So uh, we must be good, good stewards. Everything we have belongs to God because God gave us everything we have. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We own nothing. Think about that. Now, I know we say my car, uh, my house, my bank account, whatever. And uh, I, I guess we're not really being sinful when we say that. But in reality, it's not ours. Even my life. What, know you not? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God which you have of God, and you're not your own. I have an automobile, but it's not really mine. I should use that for the glory of God. I have a house, you know, on and on and on, things you have. But we ought to be good stewards of everything that we have. 
And then look at, at verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You know what he's saying? Hey, stay with the word of God. Okay? Uh, Jesus may come at any moment. Uh, I may die at any moment. But until I die, until he comes, then I must be sure that I stay with the word of God. And by the way, you cannot get too much of the Bible. And I, I would urge everybody, uh, read your Bible, meditate on your Bible, uh, memorize verses in your Bible, and, and let the Bible be your guide in everything that, that you do. Uh, let's remember that we are totally dependent on the Word of God for being what we need to be. And then he went on to say, if any man minister, if any man minister, just serving God, okay? If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. In other words, don't depend on yourself. Depend on God. Uh, and let me emphasize again tonight one of my favorite verses in the last few months. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Okay? In other words, if we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us, then we are going to be fruit-bearing Christians. And then he went on to say, Without me, you can do nothing. And the, the example is, you take a branch off of a vine, and that branch can do absolutely nothing. And I am the branch. He is the vine. And apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. So uh, quit depending on your own abilities. And let the Holy Spirit of God work through you and to do what he wants to do. Now again, all of this is done, guess what? That God might get the glory. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Tonight, we'll be looking at our faith promise commitment. It'll be an exciting time when the numbers begin to appear. If you have not already made your faith promise commitment, I trust you'll do that. And uh, uh, by the way, it, it might be that some of you have made commitments and you need to add to that. You can do that simply. Just put another card in and don't put the amount you've already given, but just put the increase over that which you've already committed. And we do that to the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Conclusion. Wake up. Wake up. The alarm clock is going off. And it's saying, the end of all things is at hand. 
That ought to be a good wake-up call for all of us. Listen to what the book of Ecclesiastes says. And by the way, it's not hard to look around and find some things that we may be doing. But Ecclesiastes 9.10 makes this statement. Whatsoever thy hands find to do, do it with all thy might. And the emphasis there is, do it now. Do it now, because the last part of that said, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. In other words, one day, Jesus is going to come. One day, all of us are going to die. You say, well, Brother Sisk, I can understand you thinking like that, okay? <laughs> You're going to be 90 years old pretty soon. So I, I can understand you thinking like that. Hey, by the way, go to the graveyards. Look around. There's children. There's teenagers. There's young couples. You know, uh, we don't know when we're going to die. We know we're going to die. And the bottom line is, we ought to heed the words of the prophet. Prepare to die. Make preparation, not only for your soul's salvation, but for the work that you're going to do. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ one day. And each of us is going to give an account for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. Have you ever thought about who you might be standing next to at the judgment seat of Christ? And, and there's just a lot of people that I think, man, I hope I'm not standing close to him. I hope I'm not standing close to her. Huh? But we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account for what we've done. We don't know when we're going to die. We know we're going to die. We don't know when Jesus is going to come. We know he is going to come. And, and I urge you just to take your Bible for the next few days and just read through that again. And all of the things that Peter is telling the people to do because the end of all things is at hand. Let's pray together. Pastor, you come and lead us in prayer, would you? As we pray in just a moment and bring this conference to a close, did you hear the wake-up call? Have you, have you ever slept through something that you could not afford to miss? I mean, sometimes we hit snooze and sometimes we wake up and think, oh, no, I can't believe it. You don't want to miss a flight, do you? Hey, look, if you're saved, you're not going to miss the rapture. Aren't you glad about that? 
However, if we don't wake up, there may be a whole bunch of other people that missed the rapture. The time's at hand. Jesus is coming. Yeah, he is. Time's at hand. Let's do what we're going to do. Raise your hand if you've got somebody in your life. Let it break your heart to get to heaven and that person not be there. Would you put your hand up? God help us. You better wake up and do something about it. Well, they just won't listen to me. I hope, I hope that we don't miss an opportunity because we're asleep. And these countries, thank God that they're open for missionaries. We better not. Hey, listen, 10 years from now, they may not be. The time's at hand, not just for the time of the return of Christ's return, but some things and opportunities, some doors are going to close. Let's have an urgency. Do what we do, and let's do it now. Father, thank you for your word. Continue to bless and guide and direct. We love you, and we bless you in Jesus' name.